Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Welcome to the show, gearheads. We just watched the Formula One Belgian Grand Prix from Spa. And it was uh, not the most exciting race at the front of the race, but behind the first four, it, we had some action going on. We had, a, we had a bit of an accident there, and it was a little looked a little scary there for Giovinazzi and George Russell, particularly that, ah. that loose wheel that came broke the tethers and broke away. Uh, I want to bring in Dave O'Neill to ask him about that specifically. Dave, those... Those wheel tethers typically are pretty good about holding on to the wheel, but that was a little scary. Yes, um, quite a um, fantastic invention, really. Um, if you if you take one, uh, I mean, they started off with one, now they've got two. So they have one through the bottom wishbone, one through the top wishbone, and they're anchored at the top and the bottom of the, um, of the upright. So technically what's meant to happen is if you do take a wheel off the car, hit the barrier, um, the the mass stays with the car. Uh, in this case, it didn't. Now, um, it's quite interesting. If you imagine getting a scalpel blade and um, getting the tether, it would probably take you somewhere in the region of 20 minutes and 10 blades to cut through a tether. Um, wow. They're, really? they're that um, strong. So if you can imagine that, there must have been something pretty, pretty sharp. Um, or, the, on the other hand, something might have snapped on the, on the upright end or the or the chassis end where it's anchored to. Highly unlikely, though, so I'm sort of going for something that's um, knifed its way through um, through the tether. But once it did um, depart from uh, from the car of Giovinazzi, um, it did go into the, um, the site of uh, Russell's car. Um, and sitting there watching, uh, he was pretty, you know, he's extremely lucky he didn't um, have any more bounce on that wheel um, before it was heading, heading towards him. And again, um, Hopefully, uh, if it did, the, the uh, halo would have taken care of that and, and launched it over the top of it. But then when it does that, um, that's the next bit you have to worry about is once the wheel's been launched, um, who's behind who's behind Russell? So um, anyway, we're all, we're all sitting here, thankfully, talking about um, the luck um, of, the, uh, of the loose wheel, um, which is a really good thing, making sure um, no one has been hurt from that accident. Yeah, and I mean, isn't that what a lot of the research and development of the Halo went into is from the from loose wheels? I mean, I know that's that's what everybody talked about is the impact the, the forces generated by a loose wheel can can do. I think I mean, I think that's what the Halo was designed for. Jonathan, I know you you were uh, you were commenting on this too, and and kind of relating it to what happened in and uh, in the Indy Five Hundred with the uh, with James Davison's big fire and crash. Yeah, we had James on last week, and um, you know I, we had several incidents um, in the Indy 500, and, and I, I, I really thought that the Indy 500 was going to be the true test of the aero kit on the aero shield, as they call it in Indy, um, because uh, you, you often get multiple um, accidents, and therefore you're dealing with several drivers. Uh, I did worry that it took quite a long time to get drivers out in Indy because of the aero shield, but it also did its job effectively. Uh, as it did today with with Russell, um, in a different way with the Halo. So, yeah, I'm keeping an eye on both those designs, but I'm more worried about the Indy one at the moment because it, it seems a bit more cumbersome. 
Well, we have that clip from James Davison. I'm going to play it in here in just a, just a minute. But to get everybody up to speed, if you if you didn't get to see what happened in the race today, let me run down the order here because Lewis Hamilton wins the race with an eight-second gap over Valtteri Botas. Then Max Verstappen in third, Daniel Ricciardo in fourth, which I believe that one, two, three, four is exactly how it how the qualifying went. And then another Renault mm-hmm. car, Ocon in fifth, Alexander Alba on the other, Red Bull in sixth. Then Lando Norris has another great race and finishes in seventh. And Gasly, speaking of another great race, man, Gasly's looked good this year. He ended up in eighth. Then uh, Lance Stroll, then Sergio Perez, the two racing point cars in ninth and tenth in the points. Daniel Kvyat in 11th, and then Kimi Räikkönen in a Ferrari-powered car, and then come in 13th and 14th, the two Ferraris, Sebastian Vettel. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Well, exactly, but but behind him, I'm sorry, the two Ferrari cars themselves of Vettel and Leclerc, and then Grosjean, Latifi, Magnussen, the last to finish, and, of course, Giovinazzi and Russell in the big crash, and Carlos Sainz, who didn't get to start the race because he had an exhaust issue, but... But yeah, but John, I, I, I think, sorry, I was just correcting you there. But 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 the point is 13th, 14th, 15th and 17th are where Ferrari's engines finished today. Uh, yeah, I mean, it feels like that the the wheels have come off. Speaking of wheels are coming off with Ferrari right now. I mean, <laughs> and, and Dave, what about the pit stop that when we had the crash and then Ferrari comes into the pit stop, just like everybody else? What about that? Yeah, I mean, that was um, that was all about timing. So, um they weren't ready for Leclerc, um, from what I could see. Um, now, what happens during a stop like that? This is, you know, this is where you win and lose the race, and this is why you have to be drilled in the situation, which um, teams do practice um, on a regular basis. Is um, safety car calls, which um, you see Mercedes doing um, a fantastic job of getting it absolutely perfect when they double stack. Um, mm. Now, what happens is um, once the once the call has been made, it, it's quite simple. It'll be box, box, um, and then the driver will be box, box, and they'll come in. So once they've got that, a light will come on um, on, on, the, on the perch and then the pit perch where the engineers sit. And then from that, they'll push a button on the intercom system, which will then tell the garage which tyres are, are going to be put, fitted to the car. So effectively, uh, you know, the top teams would be looking at 13, 12, 13 second call as a maximum um, to be able to bring the car in and, and get the get the job done safely. So that, that means that everyone will be um, notified 12 seconds, 12, 13 seconds before the call happens. Um, and I think from the, the data I saw, Ferrari definitely had the time. Then the engineer will choose. Some of the teams are set up differently, so it's normally the chief engineer and some of the teams or the race engineer, he'll push the button on the intercom system, which will then light the tyre stack up in the garage, which means that's the tyre stack that the mechanics have to run and get. So it will go green. So effectively, each of the teams have different scenarios and and ways of lighting and notifying the the team. So let's just say that all the tyres are red. The, The engineering department will push the button. That means anywhere you look in the garage, that tyre stack will turn green. The tyre guys go and get their, their left front, right front, left rear, right rear, and they'll go out into their positions. But what looked like it had happened was the wrong button had been pushed and Ferrari went for Vettel's tyres rather than Leclerc's tyres. So they had to then swap or wait for the other ones to come back. And, of course, when you're in the middle of a fight like that, um, not many people have got the capacity to listen to the radio. So that's why you do signs and tones. So signs being the light colour, and tones being in the air for the driver gear change or or, or communication through through um, a bleak. So um, in order to change the tyres around, that's where the, the time comes into rectifying the mistake. And that's exactly what happened to um, Charles Leclerc when he came in. They picked the wrong tyres and fitted half of the wrong tyres to the car. Well, this is just not good. That uh, uh, you know the the premier name in Formula One racing, really in motor racing, is Ferrari is just. It's just a, a, a mess. I mean, uh, and I can't even imagine that that this continues without some heads rolling. I mean, that's what it feels like at this point now. And, and let me ask, Jonathan, let me ask you first, but can Ferrari fix this this season? Can it? Can we? Can this be, get better? I mean, I know the power unit is a meltdown now. The, the, the straight line speeds are horrible, but can they fix it? 
This well, you know what's funny, and, and, and again, you know, if you've been around Formula One, you kind of roll your eyes because this is the story of Ferrari. And what happens next is you go to Monza, and this time oh. it will be further inflated because they're going back to back in Italy, which means that the Italian press will have a field day starting from ooh, now uh, until the end of Mugello, where they will have buried Zinotto, um, you know, in the name of Enzo Ferrari. And will be calling for his head, calling for a re, re, revigoration, and heads will roll. And it's just, unfortunately, this is what goes wrong with the Italians. Is, and and you, can, you, can, you can say the same with the soccer team. They always have great talent. But whether they can coordinate that into, a, into putting the ball in the back of the net, and in this case doing a two, three-second staggered pit stop, it remains to be seen. And that's always been Ferrari's weakness. They've got more money than sense. They can throw any money at it. Um, and even even in the um, you know in the in the next era of Formula One, but I I just wondering now whether Benotti, who was the technical director, and decided to take on both technical director and sporting director, has bitten off more than he can chew because it's, for whatever reason, and you have to blame the top, um, you know Ferrari haven't got it, and they're going to be taken to the cleaners by the press in the next two weeks. Uh, Dave, what do you think? Do you think that somehow that Ferrari could turn this around this season? I think that. I mean, they have to try and do something for sure. Whether they can turn it around the season, I, I don't think so. I think they're in quite a deep hole, which they need to have a few ropes thrown in um, to help them pull themselves out of it. Um, it. You just need... You have to come back to how, how you structure a team, um, and it's, it's all about discipline. Um, you, know, you can have the guys doing what they, what they want to do, but at the end of the day, you need to have the discipline there. And if you haven't got the right people calling the shots... Um, and you haven't got the right communication, um, that's where you need to start rebuilding. And if you look at history, as Jonathan alluded to, um, you know, it, it's almost like a cycle that's coming around again. Um, and it, it's coming around, someone will take the blame for it, a head will roll, and then they'll have a and, and away you go. But you, you've got to look at, um, you know, the way Mercedes behave. You know, they're put in the play, a fantastic team. Um, when they make mistakes, people don't get the blame for it. You know, they win and lose as a team. Um, and this, this is something that Ferrari needs to adapt, I think, adapt to anyway. Well, this is going to be just an ongoing story and seeing what happens with Ferrari. But, but what about the rest of the race, gentlemen? Les Kaiser, we haven't heard from you so far. I mean, yeah, I know the front of the race was, was pretty processional. I mean, the beginning was kind of nice with uh, Botas giving... Hamilton a run for it. But what about anything strike you from the race list? Well, you know, uh, on it briefly, one of the things that uh, came up this week, we didn't mention it before the race, was that Red Bull, Red Bull equivocally stated, we are behind you, Alex mm-hmm. Albon. Yeah. Let's flash back about a year ago, and we heard that same thing from Mr. Gasly. Huh. So I was really watching where... Uh, Albon and Gasly wound up. Turned out fine. But uh, I just, uh, knowing how quickly it seemed to change for Alexander last year, I'm watching, uh, you know, still paying attention, looking over my shoulder towards Pierre Gasly, who I think Alexander better be doing as well. But uh, it looked good this time. Alexander's doing great, I think, with Red Bull. To step in next to such a strong performer and personality as Max, I think he's doing great. Well, speaking of Gasly, he is your driver of the day. So, yeah, John, I was about to say, you know, I don't know if you remember, that move down at Eau Rouge, and again, if you've been there, you, you would literally hold your breath because it was a Perez versus Gasly going down the hill side by side. Perez squeezed him to the right, and he still kept his foot in, which is the hardest way round Eau Rouge, and he came out on top. Uh, and that takes some... I don't know what you would say it in French, but it takes some big cojones to do that. <laughs> I don't know that in French either. <laughs> uh, well, Jonathan, let me ask you, what about the start of the race? You know, Botas looked like he had an opportunity to catch Hamilton. What did you think of that? Yeah, um, I mean, there was a couple of good moves right at the start. And like I said, often Spar is won and lost before the end of the Kemmel straight. And I think it was kind of that way today. Um, Botas... You know, there's no question he's got some fire, uh, uh, fire in his belly. And now when you look at the championship points, there's only three of them over 100 points, and that's Botas and Stappen now moving to second place in Hamilton. 
So it's a three-way race for the championship. And I think Botas has, has got to save his blushes by beating Verstappen by the end of the year, who's already had a DNF. So, and you heard him on the radio, starting to see a little bit more fire in the belly, which is, you know, hey, let, let you know, this is what we're doing. Let, let Hamilton, you know, do this. You're doing that. And he's like, I don't remember hearing that. Yeah. I'm racing. He said, I, so, I, I never heard yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah, Les, go ahead. No, I, I totally agree. I love that. I don't remember hearing that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Harry, I think, like I said, he's got fire in the belly. To me, um, they're starting to pay a little more attention to him. I think he's he's showing better just as himself as opposed to the second fiddle player to Lewis. And so I'm really pleased to see that. He's a little more outspoken. I don't know if that means he's looking at retirement in the future or what it means, but I'm glad to hear him getting a little more attention and confidence there. Daniel Ricardo, uh, great to see him up there with the top finish for the year for that team. Uh I'm kind of curious how he's going to wrap up this year for that team, and uh, he's showing it well there. So. Yeah, man, those Red Oak cars both look great. Ricardo and and uh, Esmon Ocon finishing fourth and fifth today. So, I mean, yeah, that, that bodes well for a couple of the races, probably including Monza next week, them performing well today. But, all right, guys, hey, we need to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll continue to break this down. And we're also going to play that clip that I was talking about from James Davison with the big fire that he had at the Indy 500. Listen to Speed City live from Austin, Texas, back after the news. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. At Circle Brewing, the belief is less is more when it comes to brewing a better beer. You won't find any chemicals or additives, only water, malt, hops, and yeast, and absolutely nothing else. Just simple ingredients and outstanding taste. It's German purity with Texas ingenuity. Find the brews on tap all over town in your favorite store or drop by the tap room at 2340 West Breaker Lane. Open Thursday and Friday nights and weekends. Log on to circlebrewing.com. Circle Brewing Company, born, bred, and brewed in Texas. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Talk 1370, the right choice. Hey, this is Tony Stewart. You're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Tony Stewart bringing us back. <laughs> hey, uh, did you guys hear in the middle of the race, the Lewis Hamilton came on the radio and they said, I'm lack of power, lack of power. And then he immediately did the fastest lap of the race. <laughs> I was like, so is that just show two things? One, that Hamilton's always worried and going to complain about something or just how fast that the Mercedes cars are that... They don't even need full power to do set the fastest lap. It was ugly, ugly win again for Mercedes looking strong. But I want to go back to the discussion that we talked about earlier with. Can you hear me, guys? We had the big, yes. uh, we had the, we got you, Jonathan. We can hear you. Um, 
But we had the big crash today with Giovinazzi and uh, George Russell. Look at the Constructors' Championship. And, uh, Very interesting. And we got the uh, – <laughs> hey, Jonathan, can you hear me? We got you, buddy. We can hear you. But anyway, I want to play this clip. I want to play the clip because it's a clip from James Davison, and we interviewed him last week right after the Indy 500, probably two hours afterwards, and he talked about the big fire that his brakes had and, more importantly, how the aero screen saved him probably from, from something one way or the other. So let's hear from James Davison. My car was on fire, and I was sliding towards the safety team I was trying to stop earlier, but I had no brakes. Obviously, that blown up. <laughs> and um, I saw how big the fire was, but I just sat in the car and just was relaxed because I knew I had the aero screen. I knew there were six guys there with fire extinguishers putting it out. And so I didn't hurry to, to, to get out because obviously if I tried to get out in the hurry and pulled myself up um, out of the aero screen, then I'm going to be exposed to the heat and all the fumes yeah. of the fire extinguisher and so on. So I just took it easy and didn't panic that there was fire because I knew I was in a better position staying there out of the harm's way of the chemicals and the heat. Um, so yeah, once they got it put out, then I just, you know, slowly got up. But there's a lot of things you've got to unplug. You've got to unplug the air hose out of the top of your helmet. You've got to pull two radio cords out and then you need to disconnect the drink tube. So that's what makes a fair amount of difference. Hmm. Um, yeah, of, of getting out. And I think maybe the, um, uh, the, the safety team, maybe they have been briefed already, but they just wanted to pull me out of the car and they didn't mm-hmm. factor in that they had to pull my air hose out. Cause I had, uh, yeah, four or five different cords that would have held me into the car in addition to unclicking the belt. So I overall, the upside of the aero screen is un, indisputably um, in yeah. favour uh, because we've seen what's happened in the past. And looking at the replay when my brake uh, caliper and upright ex- exploded, uh, sorry, <laughs> my brake disc exploded, um, you know, that could have hit me in the helmet. And then when the car yeah. was on fire, I was in a canopy shielded from the heat. So, yeah, I, I think that the aero screen, they've done a fantastic job of it. Um, the cooling is great in the car. It's even better than an open cockpit because you have the, the hose forcing the air into your helmet. Um, and in terms of vision, it's perfect as well. I, I can't even tell that I'm driving with it on the car. So, yeah, a big uh, hats off to IndyCar and Red Bull for taking that extra Step. And I think you'll also see a couple of the older drivers just continuing the race a little longer now in, into their 40s now that the aero screen's on the car because um, it's definitely safer. Okay, let's go to our ex-team F1 team manager, Dave O'Neill, and ask him about this. Uh, you, know, you, may, you heard James talking about the flames and the chemicals that aero screen deflecting those away and how he was just sitting calmly in the cockpit waiting on the, the, the crew to come out there and rescue him. I mean, that's a definite advantage that the Formula One halo does not have. What's your take on that, Dave? Yeah, it, it's interesting. And I think the, the, bit, um, the bit is to, to note is we're still gathering data from, from both the aero screen and also the, um, the halo. Um, I was in the meetings when both were discussed um, a few years ago, just after the um, the Jules um, accident, and um, the FIA did a fantastic job of putting together all the data from um, objects that were flying towards drivers, um, and also what range of them would hit the driver um, in the head. And I think that's the important bit. They're looking at. Um, Looking after the driver's head is the is the part that they were only interested in doing. You know, if you have a broken rib from a spring that's bouncing down the the track, you can repair your, your spring. But when it comes to head head traumas, that's the that's the bit that you can't do. So that was the direction that um, there was only a couple of the teams that wanted to to go for the aero screen. The rest of them um, headed towards the uh, the halo, um, and that was based off the the data that was found over the the 12 18 months of of collection of data from um the junior formulas all the way through to formula one 
um, of the objects that had actually created and um, that arrow screen deflecting those away damaged um, anyone um, you know head that was sticking out of the cockpit. So I think there's a couple of different philosophies there. In IndyCar certainly had the Justin Wilson one, um, which which you're looking at high speeds. The, you know the high speeds in IndyCar are probably more prominent than the high speeds that you have in F1. Um, you're getting start of the race, uh, standing starts, people jumping over cars, um, debris flying. But with indie cars, you've got the oval. So it's kind of a different format that they're looking at. Um, hmm. I, I personally wouldn't have stayed in the car <laughs> waiting for the, for the fire to, <laughs> to come and get me or the smoke. Um, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of material around there. There's, there's um, you know, a lot of wiring looms around the, um, the, the, the front axles. Um, of of these cars which which have got uh, something called shrink wrap on it which has a um a chemical in it which is which is set on fire um viton is um is pretty dangerous um stuff so if you do have any fires in formula one um we use um, a kit to um to neutralize the viton once it's been on fire uh, and then huh. you have to cut all the wiring looms off and then send them back in a sealed bag uh, to be destroyed so um there's different ways of looking at it. I don't know if the drivers are educated on those sort of things prior to uh, to accidents or or fires, but certainly well, were in Formula One. So. They've both been a success. Let's just say that for sure. Both the Halo and the Aero Screen. And like you said, it's it's not the same sport. I mean, how much time at in in IndyCar do you spend on those ovals over 200 miles an hour? Whereas not not nearly as much in Formula One, and and you need to have that. Hey, the strength of that halo, and I don't know which one's stronger, but anyway, it's it was obviously a big success for for both of them, and I I'm glad we have both, and I don't know which one I like better, honestly. I, I kind of lean towards the halo just because you can see a little more of the driver's helmet, and but well, let's go back to the race today, guys. We talked about uh, Pierre Gasly winning driver of the day, but anybody else stand out? You know, because we had both of uh, the. The pink Mercedes, we both had racing point cars. Lance Stroll and Perez at ninth and 10th. And Lando Norris had a great drive. What about you, Jonathan? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think you're right. Uh, and I'm looking at the Constructors' Championship. Where now... Hey, Greeny, your mic, we can't hear you. Your mic is turned off, I think. It's up by your ear. There it is. <laughs> I'm looking at your... <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Try that. No, that didn't work either. <laughs> we... We've lost. And you're muted. We've he's muted himself. Actually, there we go. There now we got you, buddy. Hey, how about that? Now we got Perfect. you. Perfect. <laughs> uh, well done. You spotted the uh, deliberate mistake on today's show. Well done. Um, we'll I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm getting there. <laughs> we'll send a T-shirt to that man. <laughs> um, yeah, I was really impressed with that Lando Norris. He's gone about his business very well right from the get-go. Right from the first Grand Prix, he's been consistent. He's been on the podium. Uh, McLaren are now third in the Constructors' Championship, and we haven't said that in, a, in the same breath for a few years. Uh, and it's getting rather tasty for that battle for third because Racing Point are two points behind them. Ferrari, fifth, five points behind them. And Renault, two points behind Ferrari. So the race is on for third <laughs> place between four of the top teams, really, really interesting teams, uh, all vying for that third uh, overall spot. Lando's going to play a big role in that. And obviously, Carlos, when he gets a car to work, um, will be in there too. My my other person that I want to say is a standout to me, uh, obviously, we've mentioned Gasly, but the other is Alban. Um, quietly, again, going about his business. No mean feat to be uh, Verstappen's teammate. It's tantamount to being Hamilton's teammate. And we always talk about Botas's struggles. But Alban, I think, is doing a really good job. And as uh, Les mentioned earlier, you know, Helmut Marko has been vociferous in the press saying that he supports him fully, but it's getting interesting between the Red Bull men, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I think that is a fascinating thing to watch. And like you said, it, it's it's a horrible place to be, to to be Verstappen's teammate. I mean, really, who has come close to Verstappen since Ricardo left? I guess Ricardo's the only one that's ever given Verstappen a run for his money, you know, as a teammate. So, yeah. Uh, what about looking down the grid you know, Daniel Kvyat in 11th, then Kimi Raikkonen in 12th. Well, that was one of my favorite spots of the entire race, watching Kimi Raikkonen pass. Fastest Ferrari. Yeah, past, past the Ferraris. I was like, oh, my gosh. that is. Uh, but anyway, that. and what about the Haas cars, guys? Dave, I'll ask you. I mean, 
apparently Magnuson had some sort of understeer issue, but they, they just are really struggling right now. What do you, all right, what do you do? Put your hat on. What do you do right now? Well, I think, you know, the, um, <laughs> go for a beer, <laughs> some Fritz and a bit of mayonnaise. Um, no, I think the, <laughs> I don't know what that is. They've got the, the, the chips spa. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fries and, and mayonnaise. Yeah. And it's, Oh. Yeah, yeah. The best. They got a Ferrari engine in. You know they're suffering with the others. Um, I, I don't know. It's fifteenth, um, seventeenth. Um, I think Grosjean had a reasonable race today. We have to compliment him on that. Um, and then maybe Kevin just overheated his tyres um, and, and took the grip out of the front. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think Monza's going to be that much better. You know, you need a load of power to push yourself down the straight there. Yeah. Um, well, Dave, you know what? Yeah. We've we've got now that we've got our technology back up and running. Apparently, the interwebs have started working all again. You know, we had, we had an interview with Günther Steiner uh, about a week ago, right after the Concord Agreement and all that. So we got several clips, and he addresses some of what we're just talking about in those. So we need to take a quick break now, and then we're going to play some of those clips from from Günther Steiner talking about. Uh, moving forward in Formula One for the next five years. Listen to Speed City live from Austin. Back after these messages. traditional Tex-Mex, look no further than an Austin favorite, one in a million. Serving original family recipes since 1980 and located just minutes from downtown at 2300 East Cesar Chavez, one in a million has your Tex-Mex fix every day of the week from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. Breakfast is served all day. Homemade migas, enchiladas, and menudo. And try the Don Juan taco. Some say it's big enough to feed a family of four. One in a million. Online at oneinamillion.com. Motivation USA, catering to the sport bike enthusiast looking for truly unique parts and accessories. Stand out from the crowd. Motivation is the exclusive North American distributor for SC Project MotoGP-inspired exhausts and the largest Rizoma retailer in the United States. Get the best parts from around the world at the best prices with fast shipping and a knowledgeable staff ready to help. Shop online 24-7 at MotivationUSA.com. That's MotivationUSA.com. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Talk 13-7, the right choice. Hi guys, this is Pierre Gasly and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Our producer is some sort of superstar. He just dug out the Pierre Gasly bumper. And during the last two breaks, he's not only got the internet working again, got us all up on live on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and everything else. And it looks like an octopus going on there with all the arms and legs. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> thank you, sir. We're, we, apparently, this is like a, a big time outage, a century link outage takes down Amazon, Hulu, PlayStation Network, and many others. <laughs> and we're all on, we're on dial up. <laughs> And if you're old enough yeah, to I just had a uh, message from one of the listeners that uh, they were watching the through the F1 TV service and it went down worldwide 
uh, U.S. only 5% of subscribers were able to watch. So if you watched it through there, as I did, you you were lucky, it sounds like. I know, it's true, Les. I mean, F1 TV, let's face it, it's been a rocky start for the last two years. and But I was able to watch it. <laughs> what? Do you think this internet thing's going to last? I mean, do you think it'll catch on? The internet itself? No, mm. I, I don't think so, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, this is a huge outage. That's why we were having so much trouble back and forth a while ago. But all right, guys, I want to talk about, I want to play some clips from Gunther Steiner because we got to catch sure. up with him, what, two, three days right after the Concord Agreement was signed. And I mean, this is such a huge thing for the Haas F1 team, for American fans, because, you know, when when that came out and they signed that agreement, that just said, we're in for another five years. And, you know, so I, I just think it's a fantastic thing. And so we've got a couple of clips, producer. We've got one that's called, um, let's see, it's called Gunther One Concord. So let's go ahead and play that one. It's, and it is, uh, this is Gunther Steiner, principal of the Haas F1 team. And he's talking about the, the brand new Concord agreement and how this sets up Haas for the next five years. Are we ready to go with that one? Here we go. Get to congratulate Gene because he signed it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he owns the team, so he signed it. No, I think it's very good. It's very good for Formula One in general, Formula One in America. Uh, uh, it's like I think we, uh, we established a, a good fan base here. And uh, I know that at the moment we're not running how we want to run, but there is uh, dif uh, different factors due to that. But we will get back and uh, making everybody proud of, of it, you know. Like in the good days when Dave was with us, you know, because he will he, he will claim that it was him which was doing a good job. So uh, uh, anyway, no, I, I think it's good for Formula One that all all ten teams signed. They are all uh, they are ten solid teams. And I mean, uh, the day after or two days after signing, uh, Williams was sold to an American investment fund. You know, which uh, again shows that there is uh, there is value in it. Uh, and uh, uh, hopefully going forward, uh, Formula One. It's, it's going to be a better place, I think. In, in your discussions with uh, Gene, I'm sure, I mean, because, you know, you, you, you gave us the impression at the beginning of the season that, you know, Gene, Gene's a, uh, a charitable man, but he's not, he's not a fool either. Uh, and if, if things didn't get better, you know, it, it, might, it might be the end of this journey. But obviously something has convinced him that it's worth the five years. Was there a lot of uh, toing and throwing in terms of, you know, was there a lot of uh, discussion, if you will, about uh, about going forward? Yeah, first of all, as you said, uh, Gene is no fool, and uh, uh, but, but I think the, the whole uh, landscape changed uh, uh, since uh, since Corona came uh, came, or, or hopefully it's gone soon anyway. But uh, uh, there was not a lot of discussions and drawing, and 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 and, and uh, um, it, it was more like to explaining how we want to go forward and and the. And the main factor for, for Gene Haas to go forward is there is a budget cap coming next year already, which is lower than it was uh, than it was planned to be at the beginning of the year. Plus the the, the, the payments, uh, the, the distribution of the let's call the price fund, it's more equal for the smaller and bigger teams. So uh, it, it makes a lot more sense business-wise how how it's run now since uh, Liberty Media made their first commercial agreement because the last commercial agreement they inherited from when they bought it uh, from, the, from, from their predecessors. So I, I think for Gene, it's, it's, I would say partly also emotional because he likes racing, as we all know. He owns uh, uh, one of the best, if not the best, NASCAR team in the moment. And he owns a Formula One team, which means you must like the sport. Otherwise, you don't do it because uh, uh, making money is very difficult in motorsport. But uh, that was one thing. But the second thing is... Uh, 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 we spoke together and, and we came up with a plan to make this a sustainable business. A sustainable business doesn't mean that you have to make a lot of money, but you shouldn't be losing money because then it's not a business, then it's a charity. And that it will not be. And uh, we came up with a plan together. And uh, now we just we just have to execute, which will be easy. Yeah, kidding. So, But it will be hard work to do that. But uh, uh, that is the plan and that's what convinced him. Yeah, Dave, that's your buddy. He used to be your boss. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, it sounds like he's ready to take on the task of, you know, the next five years. Yeah, they, they have some clarity now. And like we said before, they can, they can move forward and make plans. Um, I, I think it's just great. Um, great for F1 um, and great for everyone that's at Haas um, just to be able to move forward from, from this. 
Jonathan, you've been involved in this sport probably longer than any of us. I mean, <laughs> this this is now, I, I, I said it in one of the clips, but we've got Haas F1 team who's now committed to 10 years. They've solidified their, their space in this fraternity, but not only that, in the, their space in the Formula One history. You know, it's not, we've seen teams come and go, but now being there 10 years, this is a big, big deal. It is a big deal, and, and it reminds me. Do you remember the documentary that came out the week of the first race of Haas when it was very good because it yeah. was a it was a run up to all the things they were doing, and the, and they and they were looking for paint for the car like two days before they were heading off to yeah, Australia. Yeah, I remember that. That close to the wire, and Dave will I'm sure remember these times. But we all said at the time, and the, the pundits at the time said, "Can't be done. You can't have a base in North Carolina, one in Oxford, and then get an engine in." in Italy, it'll never work. And they don't understand Formula One and all this sort of stuff. And poo poo, because unlike a lot of other American teams, and there have been several over the years, including Roger Penske, um, this one is, is sticking around. It's, it's punched above its weight in the first two years. It's kept solid with its drivers, which I thought was one of the finest um, things that Gunter ever did, because I think that kept the program together. Uh, and rather than getting into a bidding war or talking about Vettel joining the team, they've been very cautious about changing up the driver lineup. And and both drivers have delivered um, of of late. Um, and I and I do think that um, yeah, I, giving it another five years is a really really good story um, for both uh, American motorsport and for Formula One to finally have that piece of the puzzle that wasn't there, which is an American team. Fantastic. That's exactly what yeah. I wanted from you, Mr. Green. And and Les Kaiser, American, native Austinite, essentially. When this dumped into well, your town, dumped into your town, you know, Circuit of the Americas in 2012, we always said we need an American, you know, driver team. We've got the track now. But, I mean, this has got to be just so exciting for you, too, to see your American team another five years. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I love it. You know, I recall somebody giving a rather dismissive chuckle when they <laughs> announced that Americans were coming to Formula One. I'm anxious to hear a response nowadays. That's uh, a great that. segue, Mr. Kaiser. She, she might be on in a minute. <laughs> she just she just called in. It's funny. I was hey! thinking the same thing. We have on the line Inga Strecka and then and I, and before you start, we Inga, do love you, Inga. We love you, but I remember <laughs> I remember the day that the Haas F1 team was announced, and I asked you. I said, "Do you think they'll have any success?" And you belly laughed at me. You just said, "Just like, yeah, this is going to be so much fun to watch an American team try to have some success." No, I did not. Yes, you did. Oh, wait a minute. I Where's will that never forget it. Hold I will never it, forget it. I was a you, boiling. You upset him, Inga. I was a boiling Texan. Going, wait a minute now. This, them was fighting words because uh, I, I, you know, I, and I see it now because we're struggling right now. But, but yeah, uh, Hasif one has had some success. Well, welcome to the show, Inga. <laughs> Thank you. Well, look, I think this time, um, if they didn't have to let Leclerc pass, they might have been ahead of the main Ferrari, at least of Leclerc's Ferrari, don't you think? <laughs> oh yeah, we were sitting, yeah, we yeah. were all texting back and forth during the race, going, "Is is the Hasif one team going to beat the Ferrari team or?" or at least compete with them at the back of the grid. I, I think I texted uh, Ferrari is now best of the worst. Is that fair to say now, boys and girls? Yeah. 1.5. <laughs> yeah. Formula 1.5 now. Uh, why do we take oh, so that much? Is, that is bad. That's, That's bad. bad. I know. But you know, bad. you know, Toto Wolf just said in German and uh, the German language interviews, he just said, it really is not good for Formula One to see where they are driving around. Um, and that he did mean Ferrari with that. You know, it's really, it's, we all enjoy to, uh, you know, to see the, the guy at the top topple, but Ferrari, and we say that just because they, they are Ferrari, they get the, the, a big chunk of the extra money for their legacy and, and they should be better, but it's not good for the sport. It's, it's really not. There's a huge fan base of Ferrari and, and part of us all want Ferrari to do well. And, and look at the drivers. I mean, that's the dream job, right? And that why Sebastian Vettel went there. It's like, uh, I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to leave a team that I've had great success with and go to Ferrari and take my chances. And every, everybody wants to go there. So it, you, everybody agree that it's not good for the sport. It's a bit like Jimmy Johnson, not making the chase. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Inga, what do you think? You agree? Uh, definitely. I mean, um, well, uh, being German and with Vettel being the German driver, of course, I, I agree <laughs> double times, you know, but um, yeah, it's, it's bitter to see. It really is hard. 
uh, especially like, you know, come on, Kimi Raikkonen, love the guy, bless him. But Kimi Raikkonen and the Alfa Romeo overtaking Vettel and the Ferrari and finishing ahead of him, being the best Ferrari-powered car, that is really tough. And, and it really does show what problem they have. Um, there have been t- some some tweets um, during the race from some friends of mine who are really like saying, um, are Ferrari still fighting for the 2019 championship? So that's like really, <laughs> really terrible. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Bad. Well, Inga, what do you think of the race today? Cool. Yeah. What, what else? What struck you about today's race besides the Hamilton's continued dominance? Well, definitely. Hats off to Mercedes. I mean, um, he, he gets out of the car and starts jumping up and down. He's getting close to, really close to um, getting Michael Schumacher's 91 victory record. This is 89th victory for Hamilton. So hats off to him. Um, my main headline for today is I'm very, very thankful for the halo. I'm very grateful yeah. for that wheel coming off the tether from uh, Giovinazzi's Alfa Romeo yeah. in the crash not hitting higher in Russell's car. Both drivers mm. very lucky. Also, Kimi Raikkonen just blasting through <laughs> the debris, flying through the air um, as he would. So I think that, for me, is the luckiest moment of the race. Yeah, we talked about that. Absolutely, you know, great to see the, the safety in the sport, and I agree with you. Uh, what about what about some of the other drives? What about uh, Lando Norris and Pierre Gasly? Uh, you know what? I was looking so much to the at the at the Mercedes that <laughs> I missed them a bit. But I did see um, Carlos Sainz after he got out of the well, he didn't even get into the race, but he got out of his race due to sat at the pit strategy uh, perch, and he was shaking his head. And I don't know if he was shaking his head about um, McLaren or more so about his future team Ferrari. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's a, yeah, I think both. <laughs> Well, hey, Inga, can you hang on the line with us? we got to take a quick break, and we're going to get a little more from your, your thoughts on today's race. You're listening to Speed City, live from Austin, back after a quick break. Winding Road Racing is your first and best choice for all the essentials for a great weekend at the track. We're racers, and we love helping racers. With a full selection of racing gear in stock, get geared up with all the safety equipment needed to meet all the latest Snell FIA and SFI regulations. Outfit your car with a comprehensive lineup of racing necessities, and when you need to find a few more tents, turn to data acquisition systems from AIM Sports, V-Box, and others. Austin-based with shops in California, Georgia, and Kentucky, the source for all your racing needs. Winding Road Racing, windingroadracing.com. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride. Or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Talk 1370, the right choice.
Hello, I'm Felipe Massa, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to the show. Dave O'Neill, you have a question for our guest, Inga Strecker. Go ahead. Hey, Inga. Yeah, um, my, my question was with um, any, any of the jungle drums going um, after the after the race or the, the last couple of races with, with Ferrari and if the, um, the current management is still strong enough to, to sail on through their, um, their low points, shall we say? Dave, I'm not really sure. You know, I, um, I think you would need a crystal ball these days to see what's happening at Ferrari. But if you, hear to, if you listen to the radio conversation, like, you know, the engineers thanking Sebastian Vettel for his effort, then that is like, oh, it makes you wonder what's going on, how the communication is, how, how, how it is when the doors are closed and, and nobody's listening. Um, I can only see what Toto Wolff is saying and him and Mattia Venato. I don't think they're going to be friends this um, this year or next year or any time. Uh, the way Toto is talking about Binotto doesn't show that he does respect him on one level. Uh, and um, I think maybe that is kind of pointing in the direction that there might be changes. However, Ferrari have insisted that Binotto is staying at the helm of it, that they do keep him as the boss, um, and that they wanted to lift him up a little bit off his technical duties. Not sure if that's the right way, because I think I personally am, of course, not an expert. But I do talk a lot to a former Ferrari engineer, top engineer, and he says Binotto's strength actually is the technical part, not the management part. Yeah. Mm. I, I think we've seen that. I think it's become painfully so? <laughs> painfully apparent. Well, Inga Strecker, I know you got to go. you got to go. You're doing German radio, right? Yes, I've got to go back on German radio now because, of course, the Germans want to know what happens with Vettel. Is he staying? Is he ending his uh, Ferrari time before the end of this year? Is he? What's the gossip? Which I yeah, is he? Well, Let us know first. Come on, no. Come on man. Inga, what's the gossip? <laughs> well, he's got a nice farm in Switzerland where he could spend time. Uh, it's pretty much raining there now, the rain that he missed in Spa. But I do actually, <laughs> I personally think he will stay on just to show that he can actually really chew through something like this. He will do his best. He did start behind Leclerc, finished in front of him, so that's maybe a True. little bit uplifting for him. I think he'll finish the season um, not very happy, probably. And I think I think he's going to the pink cars. He's moving from red to pink. But who knows? So who do you get rid of? Yeah, <laughs> there's the question. $64,000 well, there, there, there are There are talks, or there have been strong talks, that Paris is going with his um, Mexican money to Haas instead of Grosjean. You heard it first, Inga Strecker. <laughs> and Hulkenberg. August 30th. And Hulkenberg what? Dave? Hulkenberg with, uh, with Perez. Oh. <laughs> you know wow. what, Inga? What I think would be the ultimate irony for you particularly is if Sebastian Vettel went to the Haas F1 team. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I did not say Sebastian Vettel is going to Haas. I don't think he will stay with anything that is Ferrari red and Haas having Ferrari engines. He will not stay there. I saw on Twitter today um, um, a picture, you know, the, the yellow Ferrari uh, logo with yeah, the yeah. black yeah. prancing horse in it. Uh, I've seen several drawings on Twitter where the horse is not in it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that too. Well, Inga Strecker, thank you for coming on. Go get your German radio appointment taken care of, and we thank you for your insights. Oh, my pleasure, and I hope to speak to you next weekend. We Let's see what happens in Monza. There are talks that Ferrari is not so unhappy that there won't be the controls you at the racetrack. <laughs> All right, Inga, thanks a lot. We appreciate Dankeschön. it. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Cheers. All right, guys, I have one more clip from... So that's, that's an exclusive. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I mean, you know, Hulkenberg to Haas, that, I would be plenty happy with that one. I don't know about yeah, you guys. I think, yeah, that would be a good good call. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, was, but it, it was, was the first choice. What's that, Dave? That's right. I say Hulkenberg was the first choice when we, when we started up. Ah, um, that's right. I remember it that. It was just contract issues that didn't f let it fall into place. Followed by Perez, so I know that Gunter is highly really? respects um, those two men, boys. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that would be the kind of radical shift that 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 they could really use. Plus, they were good teammates, weren't they? In yeah. Racing Point a few years ago, those two. So, yeah. they're solid and, points. They and, had one of their best both, years. 
They're both very mature drivers, but both still very aggressive drivers too. Yeah, still have it. Yeah, and Hulk showed his medal this year, so that'd be awesome yeah. to get Hulk at, at Haas. Checo has Chingley in his pocket to bring. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah no doubt. All right. Hey, I have speaking of the Hasif one team, we have one more clip that I want to play. I'm not sure we're going to get the whole thing in, but we're going to try. This is our interview with Gunther Steiner last week, and he talks about the future of Haas F1 after this new Concord agreement. Let's hear from Gunther. I just would like to make what, what Dave said. Obviously, the people, he's completely right there. Now, the people, even if you, if you don't feel it, because uh, uh, you don't want to ask them all the time, they are all when they get a moment of worry, they think, do I have a job or not? Because the, 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 the agreement expires and nobody has signed. So now they're all relieved. And it's, it's for, for me, it, it, it's also uh, exactly as Dave said, now you can start again thinking how we wind up again, you know, because uh, we, we had this, uh, this six months with the pandemic in the middle where you really, we did get a lot less money. We had to be just careful with money. And now uh, your question is, is perfectly Correct, because uh, we said we are not going to do any development this year because I think it's a waste of time and money. Uh, uh, next year, we have got a very similar car, not exactly the same as this year. There's very little. So how much time and money we go invest in next year's car? I don't think it will be a lot. We, we need to do certain things because for regulations, but that car will be running a year. Our car at the moment is not very good. So throwing a lot of money and, and resources on it would be a waste. It, it is not very clever, you know. So our main focus is now in next coming, getting into next year because in the moment we are not allowed to develop the 22 car aerodynamically. We just can start that in the beginning of January next year, and and that is what we will be doing. And and all the stuff uh, uh, we did up to now, how we did it, we are reviewing right now. How can we be better in and more efficient in the uh, uh, design office? How can we be better and more efficient in the aero department? Because we don't have to forget with the budget cap, now also efficiency with money, it's part of your performance. But in, up to now, it was like more money you've got, more development and more you spend. You don't need to be efficient, just do more of it. You know, as long as you keep, keep the money mill going, uh, you, you can do more. But now the money mill, at a certain point, you cannot, you cannot drain anymore on it. You need, I'm not allowed. And then what you've got, better you use it, better your performance will be. So it, it's a different challenge. And, I think we will be pretty good at that one because we were never uh, very big or, ne uh, or came up uh, under very strict rules for Mr. Haas how to how to manage money. So I think that in the midterm should give us some advantage because it's much easier if you are uh, good and, and efficient at, uh, uh, to, to make developments than the big things which had no, I wouldn't say no restriction, that is also exaggerating, but very limited restrictions in spending money and all of a sudden they have to come down with their resources because they will have less people because they cannot afford thousand people because then your budget cap doesn't work anymore you're with, uh, outside of the budget uh, which you're allowed to spend uh, all their testing and so on so they, they need to think a lot about that one as well so that again should go in favor of the small teams which run efficiently up to now well i love what you said earlier about every how every team on the grid has their own spot right and, and it has been entertaining this year, even though we know Mercedes is dominating. It's been entertaining, you know, particularly with some of the strategic calls that you guys have made, where pitting for tires in Hungary and the formation lap and keeping Grosjean out. And, uh, but, but moving forward, what is the place for Haas? Can we expect this next five years to maybe Haas to be moving up towards more regular, you know, getting podiums and more regularly competing near the top? And, and, and one last question, what about the drivers? You know, you get a four-time world champion apparently out on the market and, you know, are Grosjean and Magnussen safe? Uh, let's start <laughs> with the first question. <laughs> you know, uh, 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 I say, I, 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 would, I wouldn't do this. This is hard work and Dave knows that what we are doing, this is hard work. And if you don't have the vision that you can end up on the podium, you don't do this, you know. I think we got a little bit of a setback last year and this year, obviously, it was not only our own doing that we are not this competitive, but my aim is for 22 onwards to start to come up because by then everybody will be working with the same budget. I keep on repeating myself here and sorry about that, but it's much more, it's, it's a lot more, I wouldn't say easy. All right. 
All right, to hear the rest of what Gunther Steiner says about the drivers, for example, you got to go to our website, Speed City. Oh, that's Bro- good. SpeedCityBroadcast.com. Oh, the classic tease. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> All right, we're out of time, everybody. Thanks a lot. And don't forget, next week, 7 a.m., next Sunday morning for our pre-race show. We're back at it again. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for Inga to calling in, and we'll talk to you next week. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.